0: Hello and welcome to the Ecom Life podcast brought to you by 5874 Commerce, taking you on a deep dive into the crazy world of e-commerce. My name is Rupert Cross. I'm the Chief Digital Officer here at 5874. We're a global commerce agency headquartered in Birmingham with offices in London and Austin, Texas. We specialize in building beautiful, functional and scalable e-commerce websites, bespoke integrations and digital transformation projects. Today we're gonna be talking about building a scalable e-commerce business. What that means, some of the things to consider, some not, hopefully sharing some of the experiences of insights um, from our great panel. With that in mind, I'm pleased to introduce our guests for this week. Phil McKeith from UMI International, a London based fashion brand. Mark Howes from BigCommerce, one of the world's leading e-commerce platforms for all stages of growth. Andrew Thompson from Limworks, a best of breed channel and inventory order management system. Gents, welcome. Thanks for taking the time to come on. The idea of the podcast is we have a chat around a topic, keep it light-hearted, and share some of your insights and experiences. Why don't we start with you all telling us a bit more about yourself and your respective businesses? So, Phil, why don't you kick us off?
1: So, well, thank you for that, Rupert. So, yeah, my name's uh, Phil McKeith, and I'm the head of e-commerce for Yumi International. Yumi International is a women's fashion brand which started in Camden, London, Probably about twenty years ago now and I have been with the organization for the past four years and I went in there um, originally to get their direct consumer channel as a profitable channel first of all and to scale it up to be one of their biggest channels so um, effectively that's what I've, I've done for the past four years and I've been working with Rupert for the past three years when we replatform from demandware to big commerce and I think that probably covers me Rupert.
0: Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Phil. As we well, you've segued me beautifully in this. obviously we've known each other for a few years now, and I introduce you to the uh, to the guys at Big Commerce. So, Mark, over to you. Why don't you why don't you introduce yourself and BC?
2: Thanks, Rupert. Hi, everybody. Um, so my name is Mark. I'm a senior account executive at the Big Commerce team here in London. Um, I joined back in 2018 now as the first sales hire actually in Europe. Um, and I feel like I blinked and all of a sudden we're, we're now kind of two years down the road in a, a much bigger team. Um, Big Commerce is a, a software as a service e-commerce platform that's aimed at serving merchants at all stages of their growth. Uh, so whether that's small business looking to get online for the first time or a mature enterprise is looking to continue to scale. Um, the, the platform focuses on our openness of the uh, uh, platform and how that then integrates into other best-of-breed tools like Limworks, for example.
0: Perfect. Cool. So, Andrew, great to have you. Why don't you tell us a bit about Limworks and yourself?
3: Sure. Yeah. Firstly, thanks for having us, Rupert. Um, yeah, so my is Andrew Thompson. I'm the Partner Manager at Limworks. So, Limworks is a, an inventory and order management system. Uh, There's a company we've been around for about 12 years or so, and we work with around 4,000 uh, brands and retailers around the world who are typically selling online, multi-channel, um, on the likes of platforms such as BigCommerce. Um, and my specific role is to build out up kind of partnerships with agencies like yourselves at 5.874 and the technical um, ecosystem, again, including Commerce.
0: Perfect. Cool. So, I mean, obviously, I've, we've 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 got an existing relationship with all three of you guys, so we know we know quite a bit about it. And I know that obviously all three of your businesses are set to scale. So, I mean, I guess Phil, I'm going to th- throw this over to you first, really, because I think it will help to set some context around it. But, I mean, obviously, you touched on it a bit in your intro um, that when you uh, when you came to Yumi, it was around a transformation and obviously setting up setting a concrete foundation to then scale on top of. So. What does a scalable e-commerce business mean to you? And and what were you what were you looking to do when you kind of dropped in the role?
1: Yeah, so um, sure. So when I first um, arrived at Yumi, they um, they had invested quite a lot of um, cash into operational costs. So they um, spent a lot of money on um, infrastructure, you know, different systems, ERP systems, e-commerce systems, and the like. And um, one of the things that I noticed first of all that they the majority of the investment of the P&L was going into infrastructure. And so I I identified that I needed to shift it from infrastructure to marketing. There was, um, I guess, um, a lack of an understanding of how direct-to-consumer relationships are and and how much it costs to acquire a customer. And if you effectively buy the infrastructure and invest in the infrastructure, that that in itself would create the scalable sales on a a direct-to-consumer. You know, which is not really the case. So, Mark, with that, with
0: that in mind, obviously, Yumi, um, Yumi moved to Big Commerce from Demandware or Salesforce Commerce Cloud as it is now. Um, I mean, obviously, I know the the why's and wherefore's because I was part of the team that, that put that in. But wh- wh- why do not you uh, why not you give the inside track on uh, on why BC was the right fit for Yumi?
2: Certainly, um, when it comes to scalability with big commerce. I think what's important to note is that uh, the scalability of the platform is delivered. It's not one that you have to kind of prepare for. You don't have to notify us about it. You can just begin to scale um, and the platform will scale with you as you do that. Um, I, I think what's evident about our ability to scale has actually been proven during this pandemic. Um, I mean, the the COVID-19 impact on e-commerce has uh, been enormous. And from the start of March, everyone's seen that uh, e-commerce stores have uh, grown to lengths and kind of areas that are well beyond what was seen during last year's peak. Um, and, and I think actually Bank of America released some stats uh, a couple of months ago now, actually in April time, um, that talked about the fact that e-commerce was growing at a rate of 25% year over year during COVID. I mean, Big commerce merchants were at 25% pre-COVID. Um, during this pandemic, actually, uh, the, in the aggregate, of course, 65,000 merchants that are on the platform, um, though, those numbers have been significantly higher. Uh, in fact, in April, we had multiple days where in the aggregate, um, the, the growth rate was well over 100%. So from a platform perspective, that wasn't anything we planned for. Um, we, we obviously didn't see that that was going to be coming. And um, we're now at a point where we're so well architected from a technical perspective um, in partnership with our uh, partners at the Google Cloud platform and um, various others that, that from a platform perspective, our merchants can... Can sleep easily at night knowing we're just going to deliver. Um, And I think that also helps out for our agency partners and technology partners as well, because knowing that the the core commerce platform that really underpins most of the e-commerce environments that merchants operate on, um, knowing that that's truly just delivered and there to scale, um, I think gives everyone a a much easier uh, kind of time.
0: Yeah, inter- interesting. I mean, and Andrew. I mean, I guess I know. I mean, you guys int- integrate into many more marketplaces than than just than just big commerce, those Amazon, eBay, Frugo, and and stuff like that. I mean, I, I know some insights because I, I was I, had a, I did a I did a webinar a few uh, a few months ago with uh, with Jason, your your GM in North America. How are you, how are you guys found it, and like I guess I guess it's a being a SaaS platform. It, it's it's helpful that you guys can you can guys can just elastically scale as well.
3: Yeah, I mean the same same situation. Obviously, no one saw this coming. But what we've seen is, you know, record breaking figures in terms of you know sales and the GMB going through the platform. Um, and again, during that time, our customers has been no kind of downtime whatsoever in terms of the system. Um, but it's also really shone the torch on that like, the e commerce multi channel marketplace strategies for customers, particularly as you know we've seen the consumers spending a lot more time. I know, you know, I have personally online during this time and and looking to buy products wherever, whenever. Um, so we've seen a lot of, a lot of companies that might have, you know, been looking at the the e-commerce element of their business at some Mm. stage in their plans, but this has really shunted it down, down at this right ultimately to the, to the top of the pile.
0: Yeah, have you, have you seen many people come on and they have need to do it fast and they've just needed to get live, you know, some of some of these traditional B2B merchants, maybe they, maybe someone's had a shop somewhere. Have you seen people getting in touch with you for, for that?
3: Yeah, in the hundreds as well um, because people have suddenly, you know, realised if they, they've got no online presence whatsoever, mm. they want to go on, you know, within 24 hours, 48 hours, um, which obviously using our partner network we, we're able to do, Um but it's all about getting them to understand the requirements and, and what's actually needed for it to to work. There's, it's all going well wanting to get online and start selling, but there's obviously a lot more that comes with it. and There's a lot more involvement
0: and yeah, it's 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 it's, it's interesting, that, isn't it? Particularly when you um when you when you start to talk about you know sizes of teams and what you need to do around that. I mean. Mark, I know that when, when you guys, uh, when COVID was, I'll say at its peak, um, it was sort of pre-Easter time. I know we we, we were part of an offer, but I mean, you, you guys were standing up stores in 24 hours or so, weren't you?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, definitely. And um, We've got merchants that, from a small business perspective, went live within 24 hours. We, we've even had some enterprise merchants that um, we, we can't go into the full details of, but uh, in partnership with yourself, we've We've launched in less than a week from signing contracts on the enterprise platform, and have um, had record-breaking sales as a result of it. Um, so, for, from the platform perspective, we're we're more than capable of doing that. I mean, me personally, I actually created a website for my my local pub that wanted to do takeaway. Uh, so, me, we, had a takeaway menu. We, and, uh,
0: we, uh, uh, you needed to get them on your own. I get get them going. Or you well, to- yeah,
2: I mean the I, I kind of had an ulterior motive of being paid in beer, but i kind of we never got to i mean i set them up a site in two hours using a theme that was pre-existing linked up to a payment gateway um so when it comes to an ability to just get people live and get them transacting i mean we are all over it a kind of broader scale to that yeah we did this brand recently that launched in five days but we also have merchants that have migrated from magento one and magento two including erp integrations in two weeks
1: Mm.
0: Um, so we, we can move as fast as the business wants to move. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Phil, I mean, I was, how, how have you found it over the over the COVID period? And, and, I, and I guess so, so talk us through your, your team and what's got what's gone through with that, and 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 and, and how Yumi's generally done. Because obviously, I can't imagine your shops have been open, have they?
1: No, that's right. So um, we obviously had to shut the um, bricks and mortar stores. We have quite a big concession footprint with a um, new look as well. Um, so obviously we, 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 you know, we kind of lost that part of the business. So the what I would call the traditional part of the business suffered, you know, quite quite a lot. Um, on the flip side, the direct consumer, you know, the online part of the business has um, has uh, exceeded forecasts, has exceeded expectations, and has grown massively, you know, mm-hmm. over the probably past two and a half months or however mm-hmm. long it, it is. And you know, I think that's one of the key points is having the the infrastructure to be able to, you know, make sure they can capitalise on the opportunities when, you know, when they do come in. And we all know that yeah. online's the future. I think for me, the shift has happened. You know, that th- this e-commerce has been what 20, 25 years probably, mm. and all of a sudden there's been a, 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 a an event that's made it, you know, that transition from that industrial era model to that digital operating model happen within three and a half months. You know, we all we all know this is the future and we all know that the high street is going to change. You know, we supply Debs, we supply House of Fraser, we supply John Lewis. These are our, our trading partners, but ultimately they're, they're old-fashioned models, you know, and um, no pun intended with that, by the way. But I think, you know, my job to get in front of the consumer, it's to grow the direct consumer sales and it's to scale that channel up. And I feel... That's what a lot of people are doing out there, and I think it's a little bit of a a wrestle at the minute. I think everybody wants to get in front of the consumer and win that last mile, and it's um, you just got to make sure that you've got the, the the tools, the mindset, and and the opportunities to to leverage that. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Have you um? So I guess when it when it scales,
0: uh, you, me, and the sales come sales sales are come running. Obviously, normally we plan ahead of things, and we know there's there's certain peaks in the year. Um obviously no one planned for COVID with that and you've now got these pigs, As a as a retailer, what 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 what's happened to your staff? Have you had to add four or five more staff? Have you kept it lean? What, what have what have what have you been what have you been able to do with that? And I guess have, have BC have BC working with BC, has there been any requirements with that?
1: Yeah, so if if I break that that down you know, how, how did we manage the transition, I guess, is 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 the crux of that question. Is, you know, so you know, we've only got a small direct-to-consumer team and online team, and effectively, we we moved from head office to remote working, as has you know any other retailer. We we work like any other brand retailer. We have a weekly forecast and each channel. You now has a sales and margin forecast, and we look at that and think, okay, what do what can we achieve this week, and and how are we going to do that? But that that model has kind of gone out the window with this this you know kind of event. It's a case of, you know, we've beat forecast consistently every week on the direct to consumer channel, so that's a plus. But, you know, we've had to increase that revenue per headcount massively. And that's, I think, the difference between e-commerce and traditional retail is a revenue per employee. I can't remember what the, the kind of status for Amazon. I think Amazon something like $350,000 per employee in terms of revenue per employee. I think traditional retails about 90,000 per employee, you know, bricks and mortar retail, um, you know, digital native brands like Netflix and Google and Facebook like something like 1.6 million revenue per employee, just to give you mm. a, an idea of the scale. And I think, I think that's the message I've always said when it comes to infrastructure and, and technology and e-commerce is, you know, obviously we don't want to talk about job losses and that kind of thing, but we can yield, a higher return from a leaner team. And I think that's what, you know, the economy's got to get its head round. is, you know, how is that, that going to look like? It's not going to be lots of people, you know, doing shopkeeping administration and this kind of thing. You have to use tools and, you know, the the platforms and the microservices that are available to get a better return, you know, in, in that investment. And it's a danger, but it's an opportunity as well. Yeah, it's what I'd say to that.
0: Interesting. So, I mean, I guess so. Pivoting off the back of that, then, um, uh, Andrew, in in terms of automation, what's 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 the, what's the stuff you, you guys are seeing that people are doing? So, if uh, you know, they've they've set up an e-com store, and that they you know they're lean on staff, they're perhaps uh, they're perhaps short on a team in a social distancing environment. How are they? Uh, how, how how's Limworks helping them with that? Uh,
3: yeah. So, I guess the, the, what you're talking talk about there is the initial worry that there is a takeaway of the human. Uh, element or requirement, but what we've seen in our customers is that they've really benefited from centralizing everything, uh, so they can see that there's better efficiency in terms of the data, um, the automation obviously providing the time, and then that the time that's created that they're then able to spend in other areas of the business, so not necessarily that there's no requirement for that person or the role, what we've seen is customers then focusing on building essentially their brand um, and how they're represented across the, the, the channel and the ecosystem. Um, and then what you know the other thing that we've seen is people are making then you know data driven decisions um based off of accurate reporting, which is coming from you know automating those processes mm. so I think that's that's been the key factor of everyone now getting a real understanding of what is what's is selling, why is it selling, where is it selling, and then continuing to focus on those areas
0: yeah interesting, interesting so um mark, I guess one for you off this so in terms of so Someone's got their site running on Big Commerce and things like that, and they want to they want to throw up a second site, um, perhaps targeting on something specifically. So whether it's a it, you know they're they're selling alcohol products and they've been able to sell hand sanitizer or something like that during this period. Yeah. How quickly can they do that on BC and, and also tie it into their current infrastructure?
2: uh very quickly so uh, launching an additional site is the same as launching a a site from scratch so where we talked earlier about you know we get things up and running within hours maybe the same is true i think the the other thing that people um that aren't involved with SaaS products at the minute forget is that the the same platform is used by all of our 65,000 merchants globally. So when it comes to taking what you've got on one site and replicating it onto a new one, because the main core code base is the same, there's no massive rewrite that's required in order to do that. It's normally a case of, let's take the theme off of one and apply it onto another. Um, One of the key messages that uh, we deliver with our platform is the openness of it and um, how from an API perspective, we're extremely accessible. So that means if we can reconnect into the same integrations from an ERP perspective, or we can plug in as an additional channel into Limworks as another example, um, you can get all of that up and running with combined inventory levels, combined um, order management very, very seamlessly.
0: Cool. Interesting. So I mean, I suppose just sort of following on from 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 that a bit, guys, I, mean, I suppose, I suppose it might, Andrew, it might be for, for you to go first on this one, but... Think towards internationalisation and some of the opportunities that, uh, that that can come out of this, because obviously there's there's some retailers that are now set to scale, and and I, I personally think there's a huge opportunity for them coming out of COVID. People aren't going to suddenly walk back into the shops and all of that, but um, as Mark's attested, you can spin up another site in a, in a few minutes. You can obviously spin up another marketplace channel. How's, how's Limwork supporting the guys through that? Talk us through how complicated that would be to to set up.
3: Yeah, so in this in this instance, we obviously have the integrations with the marketplaces in you know pretty much every country in the world. We've got over 100 different channels, uh, marketplaces that our customers can utilize. Um, obviously, in, in every region, there's various different, you know, the payment methods, the shipping methods, um, the kind of tax implications, listings. So what we'll do is actually work with particular partners that are outside of our...
0: I've got someone that's cleaning the windows right where I <laughs> 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 that's that's helpful isn't it it is out of all the things i thought we'd get got by a window cleaner's not uh not not one of them so um cool so i suppose oh, yeah. why, don't, why don't i th- throw this this one over to uh what i'll throw it over to phil first i think um because Obviously, Zuckerberg's made a big play at the beginning of this year, starting to talk about his his views on social commerce. Where, Phil, where do you see social commerce? And I suppose, really, I'm thinking around WhatsApp and Facebook and Instagram. But I guess I'm talking around that whole thing because obviously, Google are then uh, are then getting involved into that. Where do, where do you see that in your future plans?
1: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's um, it's definitely um, bang on center. Is, is the honest answer. And um, you know, since I've been at Yummy, um, social it's been one of the four pillars that we've introduced, which is basically um, the old smack it model, which is social, mobile, analytics, cloud. And, um, you know, that's, as I said, that's one of our pillars and anything that goes with that. So in terms of social commerce side, I guess the key question is, they've introduced this kind of, you know, where you can do in-app purchases for a while now. I think a couple of brands, Adidas and you know, Calvin Klein and all the big boys, you know, have kind of had this ability that you can do these in app purchases. And they're now rolling out the ability, I believe, so that you can actually make a purchase within the Facebook or the, the social media ecosystem. Now, we know that Facebook's KPI, their P1 KPI is active users. So everything they do is not really about revenue. It's about active users and about keeping it sticky. So they don't really want people leaving their platform to go on to another platform to make a purchase. Their aim is to keep the active news high. So we know that they want the purchase to happen within their ecosystem. So we just need a way to access that port, if you like. And um, we've been quite successful through big commerce, you know, to be able to do the, you know, tap and the swipe up and, and all that kind of stuff. So you can, you can make them in in app purchases etc but i feel it's going to a a different place i feel that there's the there's a social commerce but there's also the what i would call peer-to-peer commerce we know the marketplaces Mm. have been expanding we've got lots of people selling our goods second-hand goods on facebook marketplaces Um, i
0: haven't some this afternoon not yumi products but she sold some stuff this afternoon on face on the facebook marketplace
1: yeah well there you are there you are so I feel that um, it's almost like direct-to-consumer-to-consumer-commerce, if you like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that peer-to-peer model which PayPal and eBay have cornered for, for the last 20 years, I feel that you're going to have long-tail sales where you're going to get all these influencers basically drop shipping for you. They're the new salespeople. You know, they're the ones who are going to be, you know, we, we have influencers contact- contacting us every week saying that. I'd love to sell your stuff. Good, great. Get it on. Get it on the feed. Get our goods on there and and, and we'll take that. But what they don't want to do, they want to do the pretty pictures, but they don't want to get involved in the the infrastructure. They don't want to get involved in fulfillment. They don't want to get involved in front of house customer service. So these are the things that brands need to pick up. And I think, for me, that's where the opportunities are with, with social commerce to answer your question. I think we have to embrace it. We have to accept this is the future. I don't know what the commission structure is going to be, but I'm hearing it's going to be quite expensive. You mm. know, the traditional retail business to business or the concessions is, you know, I think you average between 30 and 50% commission. Who knows what Facebook's going to charge or, or, or Google Shopping. At the minute, we have to pay customer acquisition costs, but my understanding is that's going to go and we're going down this this commission structure route, so they're going to take the role of the of the new retailers. I would say.
0: So, I mean, I guess, the, guys, the, the kind of final point I wanted to touch on tonight was. Why is why is investing in the correct technology vital for the, the business and scaling and growth? I kind of feel like we've we've sort of touched on it um, throughout this, but I mean, I guess why don't why don't we just take a couple of minutes to to I suppose just sort of sum up your uh, your your kind of key points around that? So I mean, I suppose uh, with, with that in mind, Andrew, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I mean, um,
3: you know, from our perspective, investing uh, the technology is. All, you can have all the aspirations in the world to kind of scale and grow and, and ultimately grow out your business, um, but if you haven't got the fundamentals and the technology installed into, into your program, then you're you going to fall over. Um, so is is looking at it and planning as as much as you can do for the future and your plans and where you want to be, and again, looking back at the research element to try and work with those technology providers that facilitate that. Scaling element, um, and also ones where you can, where you're not going to outgrow. So there's no ceiling. So, you know, looking from our perspective, we won't have the situation where a customer's ever kind of outgrown Limworks as, mm-hmm. as a practice. We'll grow with the client. So, yeah, I think that's that's one of the key things that I'd kind of push is do the research and understand the growth that the, your technology
0: is going to provide. Um, Absolutely. No, that, 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 that makes perfect sense. I completely agree with all that. I mean, I, I suppose, Mark, you, you'd be similar, but what, what, what's your views on it?
2: So my view is that um, replatforming um, uh, at any stage in your business growth um, is tricky and there's problems and it's a disruption. Um and it's always and it's always got issues. Right. Um, anyone that tells you it doesn't is lying to you. <laughs> so I, I think for me, the the decision about getting it right from the outset is um, fundamentally, if, if you want to be able to go on your growth journey without having to go through that disruption, um, even if you do a quick replatform project, there's still going to be some kind of impact somewhere. Um, and Big Commerce is, is very well positioned to help with that. And as I said at the outset, we're a platform that supports merchants at all stages of their growth. Uh, a really good example of that is we work with a consumer packaged good company. And the original engagement with them was to enable their brands to offer a direct to consumer proposition, to test and learn and get insight. Um, but fundamentally, what they've found most valuable out of us working with them is that. The the same platform that they have brands doing this testing and learning on is also the same platform that they can migrate one of their biggest direct-to-consumer propositions to and run from. So as they invest into the platform for one of their flagship brands, what it means is that everything they build out and everything they invest can be shared amongst all of the other brands globally at all of their different scales. Um, so the the fact that this platform can do it, the fact that we're priced in a way that enables merchants to come on board quite easily with a low total cost of ownership, and then they, they benefit from the economy of scale because it becomes better value as they grow with the commerce. Um, uh, and then finally, beyond that, what you'll notice is that although the same platform is used by merchants of different scales the the ecosystem which it has been implemented is what differs so what we'll find is that someone might start to work with big commerce fairly out of the box to start with but as their business grows and they want to start working with other best of breed tools like uh, search and merch providers or with um, other parts of automation uh, systems like Limworks, for example, and um, actually the important bit is how easy it is to get that up and running integrated. and integrated. And BigCommerce's integrations with all of these partners are one-click installs. There's no big dev effort, there's no costly implementation process, there's pre-built, deep-rooted integrations. Um, and, and that is actually one of the big callouts that we had from the Forrester Wave recently. Um, the the analyst at Forrester that landed this as a strong performer called out that these deep integrated integrations um, are what's driving merchants' continued ability to growth because they can focus their time and attention on leveraging new tools, not implementing.
0: Interesting. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with all of that. And um, Phil, I'm, I'm going to tee you up for a shared, uh, for, a, for a shared, mutual passion of ours. I mean, I know we, we've, we've, we've melded about it over a beer, but um, modular, mod, modular environments, and um, exactly where Mark was going to there is your business scales. You can chop things in in and out. And um, why don't you just give 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 us thirty seconds on your on your view on that?
1: Thirty seconds. Oh <laughs> my God. Okay. Well, I'll do my best. I've just lost five. <laughs> so, yeah, going off the back of what Mark said there, my whole philosophy is um, best of breed, not biggest beast. And effectively, when it comes to technology and, and microservices and modularization, it's all about speed. How quickly can you get it live? How quickly can you swap it out? How c- can you get a plug-and-play architecture? And how can you adopt the latest technology in the quickest, most possible way? And that that's the biggest challenge. I think, Rupert, I came to you three years ago and said, I want to re platform and i want to have done it in three months right that's what i said to you mm-hmm. and you went uh-huh. okay <laughs> and um but, but we achieved it right yeah we, we achieved it and we achieved it in three months flat and i think you know we used to go from platform uh migrations taking 18 months right i've worked on integrations the house phrase and devs that take 18 months 12 months eight months and they never go live yeah so for me, that's that's what technology is about. It's about speed, speed to market, and um, you know seizing seizing the opportunities. Well, look,
0: um, thanks for your time, guys. I mean, I think w- with that in mind, we'll uh, will I think Phil summed it up beautifully, um, and I think it's it's a summed up where uh, where our kind of joint philosophies are with uh, with all of that. So, um, thanks for joining us today. Hopefully, the the guys have provided some useful insights that you you can all take back to your businesses. Um, we've put links to all three guests in the comments, both their businesses and, depending on the media, the people. Um, and um, we'll, we'll, we'll take it from there. The, um, there's an interesting white paper on the 5874 website where um, all, uh, where Phil, Andrew, and um, and Mark have all contributed, um, talking about digital transformation and and following that modular uh, modular process, um, putting people people in process before technology and trying to get the best out of it. Um, and i suppose that finally if you're uh, if you're watching on youtube or spotify don't forget to hit the subscribe uh, the subscribe button um if you can't be good be healthy stay safe and we'll see you next time